seated. As you're being seated, let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with us to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 8. And this morning is going to be a, a little different in the sense I want to do kind of an in-depth Bible study. And of course, I don't, people say, are you a preacher or a teacher? I, I, sometimes I don't even know what I do, but uh, I'm glad you let me do it. I, I, I enjoy whatever I do. But in my mind, I'm going to do a little bit more of a, a teaching than preaching this morning. So Ephesians chapter, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, the little, uh, in, well I call it insert, that's the size of it, the little uh, theme uh, handout that we're going to use, and again, uh, you'll see these especially by next Sunday, we'll have a bunch of them throughout the building and just about everything we send out, we're going to make this an attachment to that. I had somebody tell me um, that of all the things I've sent out in the last year or so, they said this is the most important to them. Uh, now, that may not be to you, but at least to that person, they find that what's on here is so profound, they said it speaks to them more than anything that I've sent in a very long time. And I... I'm glad that it does. And this is going to direct us. Uh, now, I'm not telling you that every sermon I'm going to preach in the next two years is going to come off this sheet of paper. But the fact that we're living in the light, which is Christ, we're living in the light of eternity, should affect everything that we say and do. So John 1.4 is important. We'll look at that probably this morning. Ephesians 5.8 is where we are. And listen, there are dozens of passages of Scripture by the way, Ecclesiastes 3.11 is the verse that says that God has set eternity in our hearts. So, uh, ultimately, you're going to live eternally with Him or you're going to live eternally judged by Him because He has set in every human. Uh, by the way, when you're made in the image of God, that's one of the... Uh, one of the uh, when you think about being in the image of God, He's eternal. And so there's eternity set in our hearts according to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. I want to begin reading in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. I don't know if you remember last Sunday, um, I finished, I think I used uh, Joseph of Arimathea as a closing illustration. And uh, yeah, about what changed him. You know, he went from a secret disciple. And Mark records that Joseph of Arimathea, and this is at the cross, you know, the death of Christ, and remember when Christ breathed His last? Remember, you're saying, well, what made Joseph change? Because he went to Pilate and, and the words, and really, even Luke does this. He does more than, he asked Pilate as an equal. I mean, Pilate's the governor, the Roman governor, and, and Joseph of Arimathea is a Jew from Arimathea. Of course, he's a rich Jew, and he's part of the council, the Sanhedrin. But the Romans and the Sanhedrin hated each other. So he, go, But he goes to Pilate. You know, we talked a lot about that last week. He goes to Pilate in Luke and Mark, especially Mark uses the phrase, the, the verbs that Mark uses is, is that Joseph was pretty aggressive. He literally demanded the body of Christ. And I asked the question, 
what changed Joseph of Arimathea? You know, what, what happened in those events that, uh, that made him go from a secret disciple of Christ to wanting to take his body down so he could put it in an unused tomb and fulfill Scripture, by the way. Why did he want to do that? And you know, if you remember how I finished it, um, one thing we know, I think, and this is not the only, but he saw Christ die for him. I mean, I'm, he, I, know, I know he didn't understand all the theology because the apostles still didn't understand. But he saw how Christ died. I mean, it converted the Roman soldier. You know, so, so he, he, saw his, he saw the Son of God die for him. And so one of the things that makes us no longer timid about our faith and is when we talk about send the light, send the gospel light, well, we're to go and we're not intimidated nor are we ashamed or we shouldn't be because Christ died for us as well. But another thing, I don't know if you remember this, but there's several things happened when Christ died. The veil, remember the veil? And we knew that how did the Bible, how did the Bible writers know? It's because somebody would have been in there sacrificing right at the, right at the, at the uh, curtain. They would have been in the table of incense because it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon when Jesus died and they would have been offering incense on the, ta- on the table of incense, and so they would have seen the, the veil split from top to bottom. And it's about eight inches wide, and so, you know, an incredible miracle. And so that's how they knew it, and that's how it's written in Scripture. But, but also, if you, I don't know if you realize this, but in Matthew's Gospel, it says that tombs were opened. Did you know that? That when Christ breathed His last, and when He said it's finished, Matthew says, Matthew 27 says the tombs were opened. So there were several believers in Jerusalem, and there's a tomb right across on the Mount of Olives from, from the now not right across where Jesus died, but right across from the eastern gate. There is a there's a cemetery. Uh, I, I won't get into that now, but it's profound how they bury people there. But but so but there were graves were opened, and then after Jesus was resurrected three days later, those bodies came out of the grave. Interesting. But another thing, if you remember. I just find this interesting because being the light is it was dark for three hours in the middle of the day. The Bible says it was dark from 12 to 3 as Christ was on the cross. And once Christ paid the redemptive price, you know, after it seems as if he bore, the darkness fell when Christ was burying our guilt and punishment. That's what it seems. And that would be true. When He was atoning for our sin, it was dark in the middle of the day. All right, we, I used to be in, did a drama one time with a choir and one of the songs was, it was midnight in the middle of the day. And it was. Because the, it seems like the Father shielded the Son as He made Him bare. And He did. He treated Him as if He was us. Guilty, wicked, horrible. That's how He treated Him. He wasn't a sinner. He treated Him as if He was. And it was dark to light. So after Christ bore the guilt for you and me and the punishment, then the light came back on. I like that. And maybe that's another thing that, that changed Joseph of Arimathea. The book of uh, Ephesians 5 just tells us a little bit about being in the light. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll begin reading at verse... Uh, I'll just pick up at verse 7. Ephesians 5, 7. Says, therefore, do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You just you just didn't walk in the darkness. Do you see what the text is saying? When you were lost, you were part of the darkness. Um, 
for those of us that are men, now I got saved at 16, so I never was a father and was lost. But for any father that, think about the consequences of that, being a father, being unsaved, and not just walking in the darkness, but you're part of the problem of darkness. So those of us that are saved, uh, at one time you were darkness, but now those of us that are saved, you were light in the Lord. And, and then Paul says, walk as children of light. By the way, that is a command. If, if you take the Scriptures and you're looking at where does, where does the Bible command us to do things, here's one of them, walk in the light. That's a command. Walk as children of light. I love the phrase that Paul uses there. He mentions that all of us are children of the Father. Adopted children. Then he says, For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And he says, And, 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 and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Discern, discernment. Take no part, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. There's the second command in this passage of Scripture. So one, we we're to walk in the light. The second one, we don't walk in darkness, but we expose the deeds of darkness. And just think about what Paul is saying to the believers at Ephesus. Now obviously the roots of this, I won't go there, it goes all the way back to some of the theological truths of chapter 4. But we are children of the light. We're no longer to walk in darkness, but rather than walking in darkness, Paul says, we're to expose the deeds of darkness. But instead he says, expose them. And and look what he says. Look what the Apostle Paul says. If you were here Wednesday night, I dealt with Romans 1. And Romans 1 deals with some of this same... Uh, the, the, the debauchery of man, the evilness of man without God in, in, in a nation. Uh, Romans 1 talks about a people group or a nation that's rejected God, and it's very interesting, the, but it's somewhat of what he says here. He says, Don't take any part works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I have to read the rest of this. It says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart making the best use of your time and discerning what the will of the Lord is, exposing the deeds of darkness, walking as children of light. There's, and listen, when the, I tell you what, take your Bible, and this is where we're going to do a little Bible study. Uh, go, 
go back to your left and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to let me take you to this. I'm going to give you four or five verses to think about this morning. And again, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of illustrations of these all throughout the Bible. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, back to the left, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And this is a passage that you're very well aware of, and you've heard people quote it, you've quoted it, you, many of you know it by heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I just want you to see that all throughout the Bible, uh, there are, it's full of passages contrasting light and darkness. Um, just as in creation, I'm, obviously I'm, we're doing creation in Sunday school, you think right there in the beginning, you know, God, you know, God said, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And He said, it says, and He said, and He said, let there be what? What's the first thing? Let there be what? Light. It was darkness, and as darkness was the face of the earth, what it says? And then God said, and then, and then He separated the two. By, by the way, it's not the sun that does this, S-U-N. It's the sun, S-O-N, that does this. The, the sun and the moon and the stars aren't made till day four. This is day one. He's the light. He's the light. He literally is the light. It's eternal. And I'll jump there now, but if you read the end of the story, go to Genesis 1, then go to Revelation 22, guess who you find out's the light? When we get there, there, to which way? When you get there, who's the light there? Jesus is. There's no need. matter of fact, when it's all said and done, it says there's no need of the sun because Christ is the light. Well, He's been the light for eternity. And now I'm walking in Him. You with me? You see the significance? So how imperative, that's why the Bible makes it imperative. I must obey Christ. I must walk in the light of eternity. And if I'm not, I'm failing being a disciple of Christ. You know, many of us are like Joseph. We're, we're secret disciples. It's time for us to come off the bench. It, it's time for... Listen, this world is not friends of us. They're not friends of our Lord. It hates Jesus. And if it causes our persecution or if it causes our death, we need to take a stand. So in 2 Corinthians, this is a verse you know, 2 Corinthians 6 says, uh, verse 14, this verse is you know, do not be, it's just a stark contrast, just like in creation, night and darkness, forever separated. Spiritually, there's night and darkness, forever separated. Same principle, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So he says, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness. What, what in common, to share in common, has light and darkness? They're mutually exclusive. You, you could not find anything more starkly different than night and dark, night and light. It, but he's not talking about physical darkness and physical light. He's talking about spiritual. So what he's saying is, you want to know something that's vastly different? Me. You, that's vastly different because I used to be the darkness. But now that I know Jesus, I'm light in Christ. So as, as stark as it is from night to darkness, we, 
storm the other day. You know, if, it, if the wind blows in Jasmine Hill, we lose power. For those who live in Jasmine Hill, uh, there's trees everywhere and they're always falling on power lines. So we went with, uh, without power for about 12 hours. Isn't that suffering for Jesus? 12 hours without power. Uh, my hair, I couldn't do my hair. It was terrible. And uh, 12 hours. And, uh, but there's a big difference. In, I mean, just common night and day. There's a big difference between having the power on and having light and not having light. But that's nothing compared to spiritual darkness and light. So as, as shocking as it is for somebody physically to go from a dark room to a light room, it's even more so for spiritually. And he's telling us, you are light in the Lord. So one thing you have to think about is what a vast difference your life should be from how you used to be when you used to walk in darkness. But immediately you realize what's been going on. You've been dabbling in the darkness. But he says, what fellowship has light with darkness? And he says, what accord has Christ with the devil? Just a slang name for the Lord of the flies. It's the devil. Ultimately the devil. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Well, that would get the Jews fired up if they read that. But then he says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. He's quoting the Old Testament. And then he says, therefore, go out from their midst. Are you reading your Bible? And separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. You know, I I can remember, this is probably ten years ago, I did a little emphasis. I don't know, it might have been during the 40 days of sacrifice one year. We might do that again, by the way, but we did 40 days of sacrifice, 40 days leading up to Easter. And one year, I did a thing called 24 hours of TV-free living. I challenged the church. You would have thought I'd ask for their firstborn child. People were wondering, well, I can take that. I can store all that in my whatever VCR, whatever. What's that thing you have? And you could watch it later. Well, that's not the purpose. If you're going to watch it, go without. But it just tells you that, and think about how much darkness we, and I'm not trying to be a legalist, but how much darkness we play around with but we're supposed to be in the light. You know, I'm fixing to kind of be off color, but, you know, it would be shocking if somebody in here was caught in an adulterous affair. We, we know that. Uh, when I first got here, we dealt with some of that. And uh, it's, not, it's not good at all to have to deal with that and immorality and unfaithfulness in them. But you know, we're shocked, and, and you're here saying, thank God that we hadn't had to deal with that, and we hadn't, I don't want to deal with it again. And, and so you need to be pure, but we won't dare think about doing that, but we'll watch it all the time. You participated in it all the time. You watch immoral stuff on TV all the time. Or at, or at least it's inferred, and you sit there and watch it. Now, is that light or is that darkness? I can tell you what it is. It's darkness. So... When we talk about being light, we're talking about being like Christ. 
Would Christ watch that? Would Christ affirm that? And you know He wouldn't. So when we think about being light in the Lord, this is not just... It is positional. We're in Him, right? Thank God we're in Him and His history is our history. Thank you, Jesus. But practically now, this progressive sanctification, we shouldn't be living like that. But we like dabbling in the darkness. I can remember one of our young couples came to me... uh, Go to Colossians. We're going to go left to right now. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, after 2 Corinthians. Go to Colossians 1. I had a young couple come to me. Um, I just want you to see, this is just bad, bad, bad advice. But since I'm being this, in this context, I'll share this. A um, couple came to me, and uh, well, the wife did. The guy didn't have the guts to do it. But a friend of theirs that quotes claims to be a Christian, told them that... We're adults, okay? Uh, that this, this couple told uh, this wife that, that it was okay, this is a quote Christian, it was okay to look at pornography if you want to spice up your marriage. Can I ask you, is that true? No. Because the first question you've got to ask is, is that what Jesus would do? No. That's, that's her, heretical. For a Christian to tell, you know, for an elder, that these people were older. What kind of abomination is that? Well, that's where we are. That's the darkness coming in the light. And, you know, obviously I told them what I thought and what the Bible says, but this, we just don't think like Christ. This is holy stuff. Light and darkness. There's a big difference. And you know what? You can tell when people are walking in the light, and you can tell when people are walking in the darkness. Look at Colossians 1. Look how Colossians describes it. Um, verse 12, Colossians 1.12. You start talking about these off-color things, people will pay attention, don't they? Friend, we'll talk about something else in a minute. Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, <laughs> Giving thanks to the Father. Isn't this awesome how Paul describes it to the Colossians? Who has qualified you. Isn't that awesome? You didn't do it. You weren't qualified. You didn't have the credentials. Hey, if he vetted you, if he vetted you, would you get in? No. But who did he vet? His son. You get in because of the Son. So he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Isn't that awesome? So that's how he describes being saved. Still going to the right. Go to 1 Thessalonians. That's right before Timothy. So the Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5. I just want you to see how often this, this topic or this doctrine is mentioned in the Bible that how we are children of the light, walking in the light. 
I'm in 1 Thessalonians 5. Look at verse... Uh, just, just pick up at verse 1. Maybe you haven't read this in a good long time. Don't you love God's Word? Don't you? If I had the, if I had the stamina, I could stay up here all day long and do this. I really could. <laughs> if you had the stamina, you'd want to see, but you don't. Okay. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers. This is a prophetic book now. First and Second Thessalonians, both are prophetic books. Talked a lot about when Christ raptures the church and comes back. You have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, obviously he changes subject. He's not talking... Then he says, while people are saying, not Christians, but while people are saying, there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. And look what he says in verse 4, but you. So the first three verses really talking about lost people, okay? But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Then he kind of gives them an So then, if we're people of the day, right, not of the night, you can see the difference. So then, let us not sleep. Now, I do know that other passages describe us as sleeping in Jesus, but this is another subject matter, another doctrine. Live in the Christian life. We're not in darkness. We're in light. We're in the day. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. He's just saying we don't live the same. We're not going to be deceived. We're waiting on the coming of Christ. You know, we're, we're not preaching fault. We know because we're people of... And he's not, it's not going to surprise us like a thief in the night because we're people of the day and we won't be here when he comes back. Uh, one other passage, and this is another one that you know a lot about. Go to First Peter. Still to the right, you'll pass Timothy, you'll pass Hebrews. And I want you to come to first first Peter. First Peter. First Peter. First Peter uh, chapter two. Let's just pick up at, uh, we'll pick up at verse 4. Uh, that's not where I want to stay. But, but, I, but as you come to Him, a living stone, you're coming to Christ, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of the God, you're chosen and precious. Christ is chosen. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. You realize that's the priesthood of believers? Every believer is like a priest. Like, and what do priests do? They protect the temple and they make sacrifices. 
We're the priesthood of believers. We all share. We all offer sacrifices. Incredible thing to think about. We offer up spirit, we're a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If it wasn't through Him, it wouldn't be acceptable. But drop down to verse uh, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's like every day being in Christ, you almost say, wow, the excellencies of Him who brought me out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's a shocking thing to think about what God has done. So, Living in the light of eternity is our privilege and our responsibility as priests in God's kingdom. Let me show you one other thing that Jesus said. Now, I should have done this earlier, it would have been easier to get to. Go back to John's Gospel. John's Gospel. John, John chapter 3, as a matter of fact. It's the most, you know, most well-known chapter, I guess. John 3. And, and uh, we're... we're I know we're about out of time. Uh, John 3. Um, let's pick up at verse 16. We'll read from there. John 3. Uh, says, uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. You ready? This is why people stay lost. The light, and this is the judgment, okay? The light has come into the world. And the light is who? Jesus. And the light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than light because their works are evil. Why do people reject the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Why does the school system teach ultimately? Why does the school system for the last 40 or 50 teach evolution? Because they want to jettison a God that holds all men accountable. Because... Ultimately, without Christ, they're living in darkness. And they love their sin. And they don't want a holy God judging them or want to think that a holy God is going to judge them. But they love darkness right because their deeds... That's what Jesus said. Because their deeds are evil. Now, I don't have time, but let me give you quickly just the four statements to think about. If somebody's in darkness, okay... So you might can decide today whether you're in the light or in the darkness. By Then there's more than these. I'm going to give you four. You might say, are attributes of in the darkness if you're lost. Number one is it's the doctrine of depravity. And what I mean by depravity is that we're depraved. I'm still a wicked sinner. And I sin in every conceivable area. 
but I don't live in sin, sin is in me. Okay? If you're in darkness, you live in sin. It's who you are. You live as a sinner. That's all you do is sin. Depravity means that I am wicked in every conceivable area of my life. When you're, when you're in the darkness, it affects every part of you to the nth degree. And you're not willing to admit it. So we call that, so darkness, if people that are in darkness are depraved, Number two, and we could spend two sermons talking about depravity. We'll move on. Depravity is one. Two is they're deceived. Now this is clear in the Scriptures. People that are in darkness have been duped by the devil. That's what it says, right? Because he's the prince of what? Darkness, right? He's duped them and to sell them a lie. One reason he shields the gospel is to keep people in the darkness. They'll hear the gospel and they'll snatch it away. It's what Paul argues in 2 Corinthians. He'll snatch it away because he wants to keep them in the darkness. So it's about depravity. It's about deception. It's about death. Eternal death. Death. Eternal death. Think about that. In the light is life. Jesus said, John 1, 4, the other verse, In Him is life. John 1, 4, in Him, the Word became flesh, in Him is life. And the life is the light of men. So, without Him, there's death. Eternal life with the Father only comes through the Son. Right? Am I right? There's no other way. Am I right? You can shake your head. I'm not going to preach another hour. Okay? It's the only way. In Him was life. He is life. I mean, He created life. Physically and spiritually. In Him is life. And the life, spiritual life, is the light of men. So those of us that know Him are alive in Christ. And we walk in the light. This is why Jesus says to the disciples right after He calls them in Matthew 5, 14, He says, You are the light of the world. To me and you. You are the light. So He's no longer here, but yet He is here in us and through the church. So now the light's still here, but it's here through through us. We are the light of the world. So when we think about the darkness, there's depravity, there's deception, there's death. Now, the fourth one is a little even scarier. The other one would be hell. Do you know that hell is described as uh, outer darkness? There's one thing to be in the darkness. Lost people are in the darkness, right? They're darkness. That's what it says. We were darkness, but now we're light in the world. They're in the darkness. They're part of the darkness. But in hell, it gets worse. It's called outer darkness. I don't know what that means. There's darkness and then there's outer darkness. So one of the, one of the attributes of being in darkness, yes, there's four. I'm picking depravity, deception, death, and ultimately would be hell. So those who walk in darkness, you may tell where they're going to end up. Where, you know where they're going to end up? What the Bible says? They're going to end up where? In outer darkness. 
eternally because they're eternal beings made in the image of God. You got time, and I've, I've got I'm five minutes, Pat. Two, I'm five minutes over. So what, what's another minute? <laughs> so I'm going to invite you to stand, stand with me. But let me read you this verse. You're standing. You're standing. It's okay. Stand, stand with me. I'm not going to call any names. Just stand. But let me read to you, Second Timothy. See if I don't do this, I can't move on. I've got to move on. Okay. So to the next uh, issue. This is a, we're standing. That this will serve kind of as part of our benediction. Second Timothy three, uh, verse twelve, twelve and thirteen. Second Timothy three. This is uh, uh, this is the chapter where it says in the last days, you know, people will be deceptive and demons follow demons and all. That's that passage. Second Timothy three. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now look what it says. Here's the problem with darkness. Just like I grow into Christ's likeness, or am supposed to, is evil and darkness still? Is, is it just the same every, every day? No. It's progressive. The darkness is greater today than it was yesterday. Look what he says. We desire all who live godly will suffer in Christ Jesus, will persecute it, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the darkness, despair, deception, perversion, rejection of Christ, hating the light, is it's not staying still. It's progressing and getting worse. And here's my point to me. What in the world are we doing about it? If you're hiding your light under a bushel, no, I'm going to let you. You're not obeying the Lord Jesus. Light is meant to shine. You put it on the hill so people can see it. It's time. It's time for us to do that. Let's pray. Father, we love You and thank You for Your grace and mercy. Thank You for the work of Your church. Above all, thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ who transferred us from darkness into light. We love You in Jesus' name. Amen. See you this afternoon at 4 o'clock. God bless you. Have a good afternoon.